the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about, are we being hypnotized on the way to the ballot box? And my guest today, psychologist Dr. William Horton, says a resounding yes. Now, of course, nobody wants to think that uh, they're being hypnotized, fooled, uh, mind-controlled, um, and least of all, when we're heading to towards voting for our next president, especially since this is such a contentious election and such an important one, and... Um, and it seems like at least people are more involved in the political process than ever before. Um, but certainly, there I think we're just uh, seeing the beginning of the contentiousness. I think that once the the ballots are cast and there is a winner, whoever it is, um, unless it's by a landslide, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, controversy and a lot of legal wrangling, and and I don't think either. Um, candidate will necessarily just accept the results of the ballots, um, kind of like Gore did being a gentleman in, uh, in 2000 or 2004. I get confused between the years, but he was too much of a gentleman and he should have questioned all those chads. Anyhow, my guest, Dr. William Horton, is the author of several books. Um, he's including one called Mind Control, How to Get Others to Do What You Want. He's an expert in hypnosis and in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. Welcome to the show, Dr. Horton. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, before we get into the whole politics, because uh, I fear that um, my listeners um, have... <laughs> Are, are anticipating another anti-Obama rant because I've had guests on the show for uh, recent weeks trying to expose Obama, trying to uh, bring out things that people may have heard, um, although it seems like it's going to be too little too late, but they may have heard um, in alternative media, not, not uh, for the most part, not in the mainstream media, but there are rumors on the Internet and so on, you know, but a lot of these things that people are hearing about, for example, who Obama associated with or um, and associates with, not just in the past, and um, things like uh, Acorn and how he sort of has hijacked Acorn to, uh, to register Mickey Mouse and so on, um, people don't want to hear about those things. And, and um, your premise is that because we're not using our logical brain, but instead he has um, managed to hypnotize us in a way. So before we talk about the election or Obama or any of that, let's talk in general about some of the things that you talk about in your book mind control, how to get others to do what you want, since um, whether we're running for president or not, all of us would have that fantasy of we would love to get people to do what we want, whether it's our husbands or wives or um, 
you know, just our, our bosses <laughs> or our children or, you know, it, it's, it's a wonderful fantasy to imagine waking up and be able, being able to, uh, to get what you want by controlling other people, you know, like uh, controlling Steven Spielberg, for example, to make a movie out of your book. That's my fantasy. <laughs> but so let's talk about, you know, what hypnosis is. We all kind of, you know, when you say hypnosis, people people's uh, experience has mostly been with uh, acts like Vegas acts, you know, where someone stands on a stage and and hypnotizes people in the audience to act like a chicken or something like that. So why don't you tell us um, in more depth (laughs) what hypnosis is? Okay. Well, that's a good example because that's most people's experience or what you just said about uh, the uh, stage acts in Vegas or you know, TV and movies and all that. And we all know how truthful TV and movies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is, there is that type of hypnosis. But what I'm talking about is, uh, and what we can use more easily, is what we uh, what I call waking hypnosis, which is the kind of effect you get where, you know, like you're driving along in your car and you kind of get lost in your thoughts or listening to the music, and the next thing you know, you've missed your exit right. because your mind was consciously aware somewhere else. Another good example of a... a kind of bypassing the mind and going directly to subconscious is, is like you said about Steven Spielberg and watching a movie. If you've ever had a deep emotional response to a movie, you had to uh, suspend disbelief long enough to let it become real. Mm. Because intellectually, everyone knows Tom Hanks wasn't on a desert island and didn't serve on Normandy. Mm. And yet, if you watch one of those movies and had some kind of deep emotional response, you had to be in an altered state. That's the kind of thing that people that understand waking hypnosis and NLP can help influence you by tagging into your emotions is the easiest way to look at it. And, well, and you'll tell us how people do that, but why don't you also first um, describe what NLP is, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Well, in its simplest terms, it, it starts with how your brain works rather than why. And, you know, a lot of psychology gets into the why, and NLP focuses on the how, how your brain's actually processing information. And the easiest way to do it is to, here's an example. If you think about, if, if you and the listeners would think about somebody that they like, you know, like a friend, somebody at work you like, maybe not a spouse type, but somebody you like, if you let them take an image in your mind, they kind of take a spatial arrangement, maybe to the left, maybe to the right, up, down, whatever it is. But there's a place in your mind for that place for that the person you like, the people you like. Then if you set that aside, now if you think about a person you don't like, and you really just don't like being around them and get their image in your mind, it's somewhere else. Now, what if we ask you to take that person you don't like and move them to the same part of your mind uh, of the person you like? Hmm. Well, most people's brains go, no. It's like they don't deserve to be there. Uh-huh. But that's just eliciting things in your brain, and this is subconscious. You don't think about it. it. I like to say pre-conscious. It's not really subconscious. It's just beyond your conscious awareness, kind of like driving a car. And so... You know, if if you can use that type of information, you know, it's not like you can get, like, Manchurian candidate mind control. Sorry, uh, Manchurian candidate mind control. You can get more of influencing people to take actions that you want them to. Okay, I've kind of lost you here. So how do you do that? Well, again, if I, one way would be if I have you think of somebody you like, if, uh, you know, and you're thinking about that person that you like. And 
as I'm talking to you about, and you're thinking about that person you like, if I can get you to focus on me as you're thinking about the person you like and what uh-huh. you like about them, subconsciously you transfer. It's kind of like in classical training, it's, it's transference. You're transferring some of those things onto me whether I have them or not. Okay. And, you know, we've seen that in the, in the political world, but you see it with, like, advertising all the time. Uh, advertisers use this kind of technology. They're probably the best at it. It's why they take certain songs and they anchor it, that's what I call it, to a product they're trying to sell. And the best is auto. Anybody can watch TV, and when you're watching a car commercial, if you listen to the songs that they're linking with the cars, when you find that song, what years that song was popular, that's their target demographic Mm. when when they were between the ages of 17 and 23. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, because I I, I knew it was changing. The other day I'm in my kitchen and I start hearing Led Zeppelin, so I'm dancing around the kitchen. You know, I'm a child of the late 60s, early 70s, and all of a sudden I turn around and it was a Cadillac commercial. Huh. So then I officially knew I was the old white guy because they're trying to sell me the Cadillac. <laughs> well, you know, when you said that, um, the linking songs to commercials, the first thing that came to my mind was um, the song Anticipation with Ketchup. I don't oh, remember yeah. the brand of ketchup. Was it Heinz or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Carly Simon thing. Yeah, yeah. Or Bob Seger, Like a Rock, to sell us trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole male image thing. It elicits the feeling of being manly, like a rock, and then they put it with their Chevy trucks. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think it works because I don't know how many times I see someone driving a pickup that you could tell they never, ever haul anything in it. <laughs> Except their egos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being manly. It's like SUVs. We all want a four-wheel drive, <laughs> even though, what is it, the, the most... Um, where most uh, of the uh, Range Rovers, uh, if not the world, I know in North America, are sold on the island of Manhattan. <laughs> huh, really? So what do you need a four-wheel drive in Manhattan? Right, right, <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> that's uh, okay. So now the whole, tell, tell us about the whole, um, there's a whole training course. I mean, this NLP, give us the history of that. It started, what, 15 years ago? I don't really... Oh, no, a lot in the early 70s uh, in California, there was a couple guys that started studying. Really, they were studying hypnotic phenomenon and how hypnosis works. And hypnosis has had a bad name throughout the ages, and it's only been in the last 10, 15 years. It's still somewhat frowned upon in a lot of areas, but it lightened up. But back then, uh, they were studying hypnosis, so rather than call it hypnosis, they came up with the scientific-sounding word neurolinguistic programming. I see. And they really started to study not just the trance phenomenon, when you get somebody to close their eyes and, and enter into a, a, a theta state, which is a brainwave state, as you well know, and, and get them to do things. It's how you can get them to do things consciously. And so they developed some techniques. It was Richard Bandler and John Grinder and a few others. Yes. David Gordon back in the 70s. And it kind of grew through the years that... It really got popular in the mid-'80s with Tony Robbins. Yes, I guess that's why I was thinking of it as being more recent. But... Well, that's when it hit mainstream, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Tony Robbins was a, uh, I guess, what's the word I want? Not a mentor, but uh, he helped Bill Clinton become mm. a better communicator. Mm, really? Yeah, and Bill Clinton was one of the best at, at this that I've seen. Well, now, um, we're probably going to hear music to go into a break soon, but um I, I know that maybe you can tell us about the the distinction between, I mean, 
between hypnosis and NLP, I know you just said that they gave it this this other name, but but do we still um, don't we still make a differentiation between what is hypnosis and what is NLP? Uh, yeah, I do because I, I I would say the NLP is more uh, doing it with words and language rather than formal trance stuff about like close your eyes, take a deep breath, relax. That's okay. more formal hypnosis. And NLP can accomplish a lot of the same things doing it in, in just language format. Well, language and also body movement, body... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's... Um, I'd like to talk about all of that when we come back because it's, it is really... It's a kind of... I actually, obviously, never really got into that because it always seemed like it was... Um, a way to manipulate people um, in a in a way that I wasn't really comfortable with. But then you wrote this book on it, so maybe <laughs> maybe maybe there's something worth learning here. So why don't we why don't we talk more about it when we come back? You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and my guest is Dr. William Horton. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST. 
4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today about are we being hypnotized on the way to the ballot box? But before we get into the politics, um, I'm talking with my guest, psychologist Dr. William Horton, about uh, hypnosis and NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, so that we can all have a better understanding of what that is before we kind of look at whether the candidates um, have been using it at all. He's the author of Mind Control, How to Get Others to Do What You Want, and he's an expert in hypnosis and NLP. So let's continue with... um, with uh, NLP and, and giving us some examples of that and, and basically what you teach. Well, no, wait, let's, uh, let me back up a minute. What I was saying before the break that I always felt a little uncomfortable with learning NLP because it seemed like it was, would be a manipulation. I mean, I've heard little things about it, um, body, particularly body language kinds of things, um, but I don't want to think that you're trying to... <laughs> that you're trying to manipulate people for negative reasons. So what was your um what was your objective in writing mind control how to get others to do what you want? Well, really it's to get the information out there so people are it's happening all the time. And I like to also think it's not just teaching you how to like if you want to teach people to go into trance, it teaches you how to come out of trance wakes you up, if you will, so you kind of look at things differently and you see it in the, like, I've used examples of advertising, politics, things like that. So, in the more aware of it that you are, the less impact it really has on you. Not that it doesn't work, but it, but it has less impact because, you know, it's being used by obviously, you know, marketing and, and movies and all that to get us to buy things, which is one form of communication, and, you know, sell us ideas, concepts, and and so it just makes you kind of come awake at a different level, kind of it kind of psychically, and I don't mean that in the woo-woo kind of psychically, mm-hmm. but the, it kind of wakes you up psychically so you can see things in a in a new light. Okay. And so, okay, so give us some examples of how NLP works. You were talking about um, using certain words, and and I mentioned about body language. So if you were giving, as, as you do, um, uh, you are an NLP trainer, how do you introduce this concept to people? Well, one of the ways to look at it is when two people are, are getting along, there's an absence of conflict and they're in close physical proximity, they have a tendency to mirror and match each other's physical movements. It happens on a subconscious basis. We've taught this for years just in theory that it works because you see it in the real world and if someone's mirroring and matching you, it makes them feel comfortable. And, and once you're comfortable with somebody, as you well know, they're much more likely to talk with you and, and share information with you and, 
and better help you influence them. Now, we know from studying MRIs that it's actually based in, in your brain chem, uh, neurology with mirror neurons inside your brain. And so, um, you know, if, if I move my, if, we're, if you and I were physically sitting across from each other and we're getting along and I move my right arm, certain little neurons obviously have to fire in my brain for my right arm to move. But what's interesting, in your brain as you're watching me, there's a little bit of a mirror effect of neurons firing. It's kind of like how you're making sense out of the world inside your brain. And so with that being known, now if you move your right arm and then I follow you and move my arm, our brains almost become in sync. And that's why you feel very comfortable with people. Mm. And we have it happen randomly when you, when you meet somebody and you go, oh, it's like I've known them for a million years. Yeah. And once you understand this kind of technology, it, it allows you to speed up that natural process uh, just so, you know, you, you get along with people better. Okay. I mean, yes, I have known about that, and I'm aware of that. Um, I, but, okay, so are you, so you're saying that, that that would be one of the benefits to, to um, sort of purposely try to mirror somebody um, to make them feel comfortable. And, 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 of course, some people then would use it as a selling technique. The more comfortable that somebody feels with you, the more easily um, you would be able to sell them something, ideas, or a product. Well, that's what begins to happen, and, and it's the first level of communication because if someone's comfortable with you, they'll give you the information you really need so you can, uh, you know, like in a therapeutic setting, so you can influence them. You know, one of my big things is I, I got into all this because I'm an alcohol and drug counselor before I became a psychologist. So yes. I always needed to get good information so I could influence people, hopefully to get off the alcohol and drugs and, you know, uh, clean up their lives. And so that's one level. And on the sales level... Well, oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. So how did... So what... So you um, use this mirroring technique, mm-hmm. and then the patients would tell you more about their lives, and then you would be able to to help them more. Right, and you, you saw it a lot in the, in the recovering community. It's why, you know, people that have recovered from an alcohol or drug addiction seem to have a better impact uh, with other, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts because they have some shared things. But one of the things I noticed after I learned this and went back and looked at it, it's almost like uh, when someone that's been through it starts talking to somebody trying to get off the drugs or the alcohol, they naturally fall into the synchronicity of mirroring and matching each other's movements, and they do have some shared experience that they can relate. So, so would people, if if people aren't purposely, or if one person isn't purposely doing this, um, does it depend upon how much they like each other as to whether they would be more likely to mirror each other? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of factors. If they're if one person isn't aware of it, it's like then it's kind of random where you run into someone that just you know. Uh, has a lot of the same movements you do, and and this also goes with some language that we use. You have uh, three basic ways of communicating in the Western culture with words, which is visual words where, you know, does this look good to you? Is this clear? Are we all on the same page here? Uh, Then we have auditory people, which are people that go, you know, does this sound good to you? We need to talk about this. Let's sit down and discuss it. And then we have the kinesthetic people who would rather just roll up their sleeves, get in there and do it. Let's just dig in and do this. Let's grasp the problem. And so when you add that level mm-hmm. to just the physical mirroring and matching, now you're at a deep level of understanding each other because, you know, if, to, if you're a very visual person, uh, you know, visual words make much more sense to you. Yes. So do you train people to 
um, when they meet someone they don't know, to first see whether this person responds to visual or auditory or kinesthetic words, what kind of how they seem to react. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a couple of clues. You know, uh, visual people besides using the visual words, you just listen, really pay attention. And the greatest side effect to learning this is it really forces you to pay attention to the person you're communicating with, because you know, eighty percent. And I just picked that number kind of, but that's what I heard. When you're in communication with somebody. You spend a, a great majority of your time, you know, formulating your response to what, what they just said. Yes. Which means you're not really paying attention to them. Yes. And so if you, this forces you to step back and really pay attention to them, which is wonderful just in the fact that it, it's kind of a lost art. And, yeah, I teach how to do that and pick it up in the language. And, and also eye movements give a cue. You know, people that are very visual look up a lot. Uh, kinesthetic people look down a lot, look, you know, look down. Um, auditory people look side to side, and then there's some other little cues, like mm. truly, truly visual people have to look good all the time. You know, they're the type that everything's, even when they're working out at the health club, everything's coordinated. Mm-hmm. You can tell a visual. I mean, I go to the health club, and there's a, there's a couple people there, God love them, you can just tell they're visual, because <sighs> they, this lady must, there's a couple ladies I'm thinking of must have eight pairs of gym shoes to match their workout. <laughs> and, and they really work out. They're not just in there standing. I mean, they're they're really working out. So that's a truly visual person. A kinesthetic person, they'll wear clothes that may not look as sharp, but you could tell they're comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. they'll wear sensible shoes instead of those real pointy nine-inch shoes. You know? Yes. And that, and so there's some cues you can look. There's, there's, you know, people are giving you information all the time because you. One of the tenets of NLP is you cannot not communicate, and so people are giving you the messages. This just teaches you how to pick up on it. Okay, well, that, yes, I mean, uh, you're just kind of, I know uh, that you're just sort of giving us uh, the tip of the iceberg on all these things. How long do you usually, um, when you give a course in NLP, how long is the course usually? How many hours? It's about 40 hours for my basic course. I, I kind of just give you an overview because it's some skills that most people are doing at some level. I'm just giving you a different way of, of using it and making it more natural uh, so after about, it's four to six days, you know, eight, eight, ten hours a day, depending on how I'm doing it, and it, it kind of uh, starts getting into your conscious awareness of, of how to do these things. And are most of the, what, what kinds of, um, what are the reasons for um, the students coming to your course? What kind of motivations do they have? Uh, here in the States, uh, probably uh, 60 to 70% of the students are therapists of one type or another. Social workers, alcohol and drug counselors, uh, psychologists, uh, a lot of hypnotists that, that practice I get because that's kind of like my niche. Um, now, when I'm overseas teaching, like later in the month or next month, I'll be going to Asia, and it, over there it's about 50-50 with uh, therapists and business people and salesmen that, mm-hmm. that, that want to learn it to either sell products or motivate their employees. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, we're going to now, uh, now that you've given us kind of the uh, basic course, <laughs> the, that the tip of the iceberg of your basic course, um, I would like to start uh, having you talk about your premise and how you relate it uh, to Obama and your theory that he has essentially hypnotized or us or used NLP on us. 
and I knew that that was going to happen. <laughs> but I wanted to um, to prepare people for what was going to be coming next, so that um, so that we can now. Uh, I, I think this is a very interesting um, premise that you have, and I'd really like to hear um, how you can describe it. And I think we can all probably, since we've been watching him. Um, uh, in debates and so on, I think we could all probably understand now what you're what you're talking about. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Dr. William Horton. We're talking about uh, hypnosis, NLP, and the ballot box. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about Skills USA? Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking about the question of, are we being hypnotized on the way to the ballot box? My guest, psychologist Dr. William Horton, says yes. Now, 
you know, it's kind of difficult because if we've been hypnotized um, by what Obama has been doing and saying, it's very hard for um, people who have been to hear what you're saying about how they've been hypnotized. But we'll put that aside and hope that um, somehow you can break through. Let's start with what is it that makes you think that he has studied uh, NLP or knows anything about it? Well, that's a great question, and, and really it, it this all started because in my trainings I've talked about Bill Clinton and some of his uses of, of this kind of technology. And, again, I always stress, I, I, I become very analytical about it, I, about it's not right or wrong, it just is. I'm just pointing it out. Uh, but when this, you know, when Barack, Senator Obama, became the nominee, I, I obviously started paying more attention. People were asking me, and, and I began to really kind of look at it and research it. And he talks about uh, one of the books that impacted him was Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. And in that book, it's a good book, he Robert Greene talks about things like Machiavelli, Hitler, some of these people, how they use techniques to motivate and, and assess, or not assess, but uh, access and use power. And there's some of the things in this 48 Laws of Power that, you know, I've seen him do in his in his campaign. And and they work. I mean, like one is create grand spectacles because that, that draws people uh, to them. Uh, uh Fulfill the need to believe is one of the rules of power, right? Give people a reason and a need to believe. Mm. And some of these things, and, it's, it, and, and his, people have done this throughout history, but if you've, if you've read that book, he talks about some of these things about subconscious communication and hypnotic techniques. And, of course, uh, Obama, uh, Senator Obama is a, is, a, is a brilliant man, you know, editor of the Harvard Law Review, and lawyers are trained as well as psychologists on how to go out and do research. And so it wouldn't be hard to go go from one book to another, and so, and then some of the gestures and some of the mo- motions kind of lead me to believe that he's at least read about it and studied it. And the the other thing I, that kind of makes me believe it is uh, the difference between when he's given a prepared text speech and his his um, off the cuff remarks and his uh, uh, performance in the debate are almost like two different guys. Yes. You know, um, I was uh, very much aware of that. I, I was at the Saddleback Church um, when Obama and McCain um, were interviewed, and that was, you know, several weeks ago. And it was an off-the-cuff uh, moment for each of the candidates. And uh, Obama was really um, surprisingly... Uh, different and and less powerful and less convincing and scattered um, compared to the prepared speeches that he had been given giving up until that date. Right, and, and is because when you're unless he's been practicing a long time and, and maybe he hasn't gotten to the point like where Bill Clinton was as good giving a speech as ad living. Um, but the you know that's just a, pra- a thing that takes a lot of practice. But when he's giving his prepared talks, he can he can break it down where he talks in like seven to ten word sentences. Where then he'll take a pause, and then he'll say a few more words in seven to ten, and then he'll pause. That in itself is very hypnotic and brings you into the conversation. Mm. He also speaks very slowly when he's giving one of his prepared texts, yeah. which again is kind of lulls you. And he's got a beautiful voice. Uh, kind of lulls you into it and and then the use of his 
you know, and, and all politicians do this, the, the words that are kind of generalized, you know, change and they're flowery uh, because they don't really uh, bring up anything specific. So, and then some of his gestures are very, very NLP-ish to me. <laughs> like what? Give us some examples. Uh, well, in the Democratic National Convention speech, uh, when he accepted the nomination, he uh, talked about JFK, I think it was somewhere between 11 and 14 times. Every time he talked about JFK and some of the great things he did, he would uh, he had this motion where he touches thumb, middle finger, and index finger together, and then he would talk about JFK and the image of JFK. You know, all, so subconsciously people are thinking about JFK, especially the uh, the myth of JFK, and you know because it's more in our history minds now. And then he would make this motion with that where he would point to his tie or his chin, kind of bringing it to him. This whole mm. idea of JFK. And he also, you know, evoked the memory of Martin Luther King and, and FDR, and he was bringing that to himself. And I think, as I said, this, all I was looking for is to explain the phenomenon where highly educated people would make the statement that he's the greatest leader of a generation. And maybe it's the psychologist in me, maybe it's just I'm a cynic. I'm like, okay, what is he actually led? <laughs> you know, what is the re- where, where's the where's the sizzle or where's the stake behind the sizzle? Right. And I'm not saying he might not have the potential. We don't know. But to compare, and then when people say, well, he's just like JFK, you know, because they're in pretty close in age when, they, when JFK ran for president. In fact, he's a little older than JFK. But uh, the only thing I think of is, well, JFK was a torpedo boat commander who saved his crew in combat. He was a congressman for six years, senator for seven. And if I'm not mistaken, he was one of the pushers behind the McCarthy hearings. Hmm. And so... You know, there's a lot, and he had a lot of legislative and, and background behind him. So, you know, he had a track record of leadership. And but when people make that statement, I'm like, wow, that's kind of fascinating to me. Yes, well, it does. I mean, one of the things that I've noticed is how, um, from beginning early on, there was this um, people who were for Obama had this loyalty to him and really didn't want to hear any of these other facts. I mean, you mentioned um, he would use words like, I'm asking you to believe Mm -hmm. we are the ones we have been waiting for. Yes, we can change hope. Um, I mean, yes, we all, you know, would like to have change, especially now with the economic situation the way it is. We would like to have hope. We would like things to be better. Um, but so how, like, what are some of the other techniques? That, so what, what I was trying to say was it, it's almost like people have their hands, uh, fingers in their ears and going, na 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 you know, not wanting to hear what someone else has to say that, that speaks to their logical mind. Right. Well, and, and that's one of the things that you talk about, that, that he's reaching us on a level that somehow kidnaps our logical mind. So how does that work? Well, one of the things, when he's given his speeches, he he, he peppers them with statements of facts. As I stand here today, that's a statement of fact. He's standing in front of you. You can't argue with that fact. And and he'll make several of those throughout the, the thing, which are, are general agreements. And then he'll go into his, um, um, you know, what he wants to, to have happen. So it, it's linking statements of fact with conjecture to get you to do what he wants. And that's very powerful. And then the other thing he sprinkles his speech with, and some people may say, which he's inoculating the crowd against, believe, against believing anything anyone else may say. Mm. And, the, and the other thing we just have to say, and I saw it in the uh, uh, primarily, 
after it was just down to him and Hillary. And now we're seeing it really in the in the in the general election, which is he has one trump card he can play excellently, and his people do, which is if you question his politics, his history, his background, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, I don't care about his. You know, I you know personally, I do. I have some problems with some of the people he hang out with, but uh, you know, I'm like, I don't care. I'm I want to talk about his politics. I mean, this happened to me at an airport, and they're like, well, you're just you're just racist. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's that got to do with any? I mean, I. I I, I didn't even bring that up. I'm just talking about, you know, his, you know, uh, some of his policies. So how, okay, and how has he been, is there a way hypnotically or NLP to, that he's been sort of um, exploiting this race card? Oh, yeah, because it, 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 it points to, in fact, in his convention speech, uh, he did a thing and it kind of, people pointed out where he goes, and there'll come a time when a light will shine down upon you and you'll feel enlightened. And you'll hear a voice that says, I have to vote for Barack Obama. It was kind of a light moment, but it was kind of interesting. It was a direct hypnotic command. And Hmm. uh, he's kind of pointed to the idea that enlightened, intellectual, smart people would vote for him. So that means if you're going to vote the other way, that means you're not enlightened, you're not intellectual, and obviously you're not sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it kind of sets it up. So I, the only thing that, that it makes me wonder is how true the polls are that we keep hearing about. What do you mean? Because uh, he, they've set a frame now where, you know, it's not politically correct to say you, you're not going to vote for him. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, they may be calling your house and asking, and so I think uh, we may get some, uh, uh, well, you're from that area in California where it was the Bradley effect. Yes, tell us. I have been reading about that. Tell us about that. Well, the Bradley effect was it was when Bill uh, uh, Bradley, the mayor of uh, L.A., was running for uh, governor of California, and he was heading the polls by quite a bit, you know, double digits, slow double digits, and he lost the election. And what they figured out later, he was an African-American, is that people, you know, didn't want to say they weren't going to vote for him, didn't want to get into the political discussions about race, and so they would say one thing, and when you go in the ballot box, since we have a closed ballot, you vote however you want. And so I think we may get that. And I don't think it has as much to do with race with, as it does with just flat-out political beliefs. Because, you know, I, I just uh, had a wonderful opportunity to uh, uh, take my dad and my sister back to our old home where my dad grew up. And I spent a lot of my time in, in Mississippi and uh, parts of Tennessee, and where I was raised mostly in Indiana, and so I'm driving around these small towns, it's like there really are two Americas. And uh, it'll be, it, and it's not about race, it's about, it's about uh, mindset, beliefs, and, and things like that. So I think we're going to get a much different um, response. Yes, I, I, there have been people um, talking about that, how, how people want to give, I mean, that's, that's a known phenomenon in psychology in general, not related necessarily to elections, but um, how when you take various tests um, or ask various questions in polls, that you want to please the person who's asking you, and so you say what you think they want to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, we might be having some of that. Well, we need to take another break. My guest is psychologist Dr. William Horton. We're talking about whether or not we are hypnotized on the way to the ballot box. So stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. 
That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america voiceamerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about are we being hypnotized on the way to the ballot box? My guest is Dr. William Horton, the author of Mind Control, How to Get Others to Do What You Want. And he's been telling us about some of the, giving us some examples, really fascinating examples of some of the words um, and movements, body language that Obama has been using to, um, I guess you would say, to, to hypnotize us, to, the, to use NLP, to put us in a trance so that we will <laughs> walk to the ballot box and, and pull the switch or tear the chat or something for whatever it is in your county um, for Obama. And what I want to know is, um, can you tell us how people, how we can recognize whether, in fact, we have been uh, put in a trance by Obama? Uh, certainly my listeners know that I haven't been put in a trance because, uh, because I've been trying to wake people up, in fact, um, without knowing that they were in a trance, uh, in a hypnotic trance. Um, wake people up to the realizations about Obama that are really dangerous. But how can people know if, whether they've been uh, hypnotized to vote for Obama or whether they really believe in what he has to say? Well, I think that, that's a great question because that's always one of the tricks. You know, one, you know, in hypnosis, there's a phenomenon that if you you know you get an idea planted subconsciously, then your conscious defense mechanisms will kick in to to justify. The, the subconscious decision. Mm. And 
So we're always battling that. But what we see happen is people begin to question why they're going to vote for the guy and uh, or what's you know why they made that decision. You know, we see it in 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 buying situations when people have buyer's remorse. We've all heard about that, and that's where you make an emotional decision and then you know the facts start coming up and you don't like it. So. Uh, uh, that's one of the things uh, that that people do, and and because the election's been going on so long, it's it, it's happened somewhat naturally. And McCain, when they uh, uh, last week when they started the last debate, it came up, and they've been hammering it ever since about Joe the plumber. And it's not so much about Joe the plumber; it was the statement when Barack Obama said Barack Obama said about spread the wealth around. Well, what that kind of statement does is, is snap some people out of a light trance because they really start thinking about what that statement means. And it'll kind of bring you out of that social trance. It's kind of like when you're watching a movie and you're really into it, and then they do something really stupid mm-hmm. that, that you, then you can't believe the rest of the movie. Yes. Or like you're, 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 you're an MD, so if you went to see a medical movie, you, you're much less likely to fall into it. Yes. Because, you know, you're looking at this, and, you know, like when I watch military movies, that happens to me. So, you know, I think it's starting to happen, and it's it's just repetition, repetition. Um, and uh, uh, as people become aware of it, that's one of the reasons I'm talking about it and other people, it's just, you know, make a conscious choice as much as a subconscious choice. Look at the facts, look at the figures, and then make that decision. Yes, and you know, there's going to be this half-hour infomercial that Obama did that's going to start um, airing, and um, and what what can people or what should people look for um, in that? I mean, I, I guess we can expect some more of the same of some of the things that you've been talking about. But here he has a half a whole half an hour to influence people. Oh yeah, on all it, all three networks, I think. It's not, uh, it's not two. It, it, yeah, and uh, I would say watch it, and if nothing else, some of the times just close your eyes and listen to the words, you know, and and, and follow along with the what he's not just what he's saying, how he's saying it, but look for some facts and figures behind this. But un- because unfortunately, you know, most people don't do the research; they take things at, at face value, and I know it's not popular. Well. So what, Another way to say it is because uh, a lot of this stuff used to be checked by the media. Yes. The media used to do more fact-checking behind things, and they don't seem to do that anymore. Yes, Um, absolutely. And I think that if you want to talk about people having been put into a trance, um, I think that that certainly includes the media as well who have jumped in this bandwagon. But, you know, it's interesting because... I get a lot of emails from people who um, are watching out for all of these things, you know, trying to, working hard to uncover various things about Obama that, that are red flags, dangerous flags. And there seems to be an increase in this past week of people um, recognize, coming out of the trance, you know, recognizing that, um, for example, ACORN is a good example. As more comes out about ACORN, um, registering people like Mickey Mouse and, and other voters who don't exist, uh, you know, stuffing the ballot boxes with red, by registering voters who don't exist, who, of course, will wind up voting for Obama, especially since he was involved with ACORN starting years and years ago and has um, donated lots of money to ACORN. There's something that came out today, for example, um, where people have started looking into uh, taxes and ACORN 
and they discovered that Acorn owes millions in taxes. Oh, yeah. Well, and then they just played an uh, interview that uh, Senator Obama did when he was uh, still in uh, the state, uh, state rep in uh, Illinois, where he talked about the Supreme Court uh, 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 looking at redistributing wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's starting to play. So those kind of things are starting to come up. And, you know, one of the, uh, I think it's James Carvel, the Democratic strategist, is always harping on people that the only poll that counts is on Election Day. Yes, Because yes. Americans are notorious to make their minds up at the last minute anyway. Yes. Uh, another, something else that came up fairly recently is, um, do you know about the attorney in uh, Pennsylvania? Philip- oh, the one suing uh, the Democratic National Committee, Berg? Yes, Philip Berg, um, suing to, because he, it's his contention that Obama isn't qualified to run for president because, um, he believes that he was born in Kenya, not in the United States. And the Obama team has not really provided, um, they, they put up apparently some, a birth certificate from Hawaii, but they, he hasn't allowed, um, and responded in terms of a more, um, uh, a more um, investigated kind of or clarified kind of birth certificate. I mean, there hasn't been an investigation into it to to make sure of the validity of it. And um, and so, yes, and now Berg, he lost at a lower court, but he's taking it to a Supreme Court. So it's kind of heartening to see that some more and more people are kind of waking up right. to and these he's things. a Democrat. Every, and he, yes. He was a big-time Democrat. He still is. Yes, yes. yes. And um, so, I mean, some of that is really powerful, but it's just that we're, the clock is ticking to Election Day, and I, I hope that some of these people will be able to present their cases in a sufficiently compelling way to wake more people up out of the trance that you're talking about. I think we're going to see it, and, you know, it's a, it's a process like is, is, it's been building, and it's under the surface, so... I think we'll see it really escalate in exactly one week from today. <laughs> yes. And, you know, um, that's a good way of putting it, buyer's remorse. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's one thing when you buy a car that you can't afford <laughs> and you have buyer's remorse and you're kind of stuck. And it's another thing if we all elect a president <laughs> that we can't afford in many different ways in terms of uh, what will happen to our liberties and, and uh and it's a lot harder to undo than returning a car. Right. So do you have, well, first of all, before our time is up, I want to make sure that um, you tell people how they can get your book, Mind Control, how to get others to do what you want, and uh, find out more about some of the courses that you give. Okay. Uh, I have a website, and that's NFNLP, NFNLP, that stands for National Federation of Neurolinguistic Programming, uh, dot com, nfnlp.com, and we have the book, videos, and I put together some political packages so uh, one of your listeners may be the next governor of California. <laughs> okay, so again, that's N is in Nancy, F is in Frank, eight, um, nlp.com, yes, correct? Ma'am. All right, well, thank you very much, Dr. William Horton, for shedding uh, a, a new perspective on this, and I hope people will listen. And look more carefully when some of these uh, infomercials come out and, and uh, the speeches continue to go on. So I hope we've 
in another, in yet another way, I hope that I've helped to wake you all up, uh, those of you who are still really thinking of voting for Obama. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.